And this week I made some phone calls and talked to some of you, and we're going to continue to do that because we want you to know that that you, you really do matter, and we're glad that you're still a part and still able to tune in. We thank God for the technology that he's blessed us with, that we can do this. And so, um, but I was amazed at how many I talked to that absolutely have just been tuning in every week, and they know what's going on, they know what we've been speaking about, and so I praise God for this opportunity. And if you need us, reach out, send a message, let us know. We don't want you to feel like that you're out there, and you're alone, and you're forgotten. Amen? And maybe you're even someone that you've started watching during all this and you don't even really know any of us, you know, but if you've been watching on a regular basis, just consider yourself family and it's okay for you to reach out too. Well, this week I, um, you guys know that we, we started a few weeks, I spoke on faith a few weeks back and I talked about our faith being refillable and and did that, and, and it was really, literally intended to be kind of a standalone message, but I can't seem to get away every time I think I'm done with it, we're going to move on, because really right now, according to the preaching calendar, we should already be transitioning into Christmas messages. But that's just not what the Lord has given me right now. So this week, just because of so much that's going on in the world, I, I really thought about that, and, and today I want to talk about this simple subject, faith under fire. You know, these days at every turn, guess what? We are told that we're the ones that are supposed to compromise, right? Yet, isn't it funny that there's not a willingness of those that are opposed to our viewpoints to compromise on any of their points? We're the ones that's expected to back down. We're the ones that are expected to compromise, you know, in some ways, compromise is a wonderful thing. I think we absolutely should compromise if we're talking about the color of the carpet in the church. That's okay to compromise. <laughs> it's okay to compromise when you have a group of people together and you're trying to decide where to go eat. If, if you're some of those that are still going out to eat, for some of us, that's not a thing right now. But remember those days? Remember when you get together with people and you say, hey, let's go eat somewhere, and then there'd be this discussion? Compromise is okay there. But there's some things that it's just not good to compromise. In some things, it is dangerous to compromise. I wouldn't recommend going to the Texas OU game each year with a Texas jersey and OU sweatpants. That may seem like a compromise, but all you're going to do is you're going to make both sides mad. And if you were in the middle of a shooting war, can you imagine somebody during the Civil War when you got the battle lines drawn, can you imagine somebody walking through no man's land with, with, a, with a gray uniform on one side and a blue uniform on the other? It might work one way, but the second you turned around, both sides would be shooting at you. Kind of reminds me of a Bugs Bunny cartoon I saw. I just thought of that. You know, but yeah, we're, we, we, we live in a land where there's all these con, this, this, this constant pressure to compromise. Our beliefs as Christ followers, there's a pressure for us to change our long-held core beliefs to fit what society says ought to be the norm. But you know what? Last time I checked, his word is eternal. And just because we make something legal or illegal doesn't have a bearing on what is truly right and truly wrong. But yet this idea of compromise, this idea of pressure for God's people to fit in with society around them is nothing new. It's been something that's been faced all throughout Scripture and all throughout life. But what is important is how do we respond when our faith is under fire? You know, we, we live in a world that, that in many ways, so many core things that we hold on to now, if you believe that and you draw a line, it's considered evil. Oh, wait, there's a place in the Bible that says in the last days, good will become evil and evil will become good. Ladies and gentlemen, we are there. 
Remember when I was a kid, we'd go pull, we'd travel, go on vacation, we'd pull into a rest stop, and there'd be a little sign out there in the front of it, and there'd be a little arrow that point, you are here, we are there. And so we've been talking about this, and, and in the context of faith, we talked about the man at the very beginning of this, and this is just a, a phrase that I've held on to that has just been resonating in my heart and in my spirit, is when the man that brought his child to Jesus, and Jesus says, everything is possible if you have faith, and he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because you're here this morning, because you're watching online, there you have a certain level of faith. But I love the fact that this man, to me, drew attention to something. Lord, I believe. In other words, he was saying, my faith is at this level, this gap of unbelief that I have left. Lord, refill that and help me get up to the standard I need to be. So that's kind of what we've been talking about. But what about when our faith is under fire? <clears throat> I thought of this, and I want to explain it a little bit, but I boiled it down to this statement. In a world that demands compromise, true holiness is wholeness of faith. That means that our faith is so whole and so complete that even when the pressure's on, we still hold on to it. Our faith still stands. You know what the word holiness literally means? To be set apart. How many know that when you make a moral stand in certain circumstances, you are set apart? You stick out. You are noticed. And sometimes that's not necessarily in a context that we want to be noticed. Because sometimes we're talking about believing despite the consequences. This morning we're going to look at some young men that chose to stand when literally a whole nation around them, a whole nation had put pressure on them and said, this is the direction we're going as a nation and you're going to follow this and when certain things happen, you're going to bow a knee to this and if you don't, there's consequences. I've never in my time looked through this Bible story we're about to walk through this morning in the context of where I'm going to walk through it this morning with the idea that there is so much pressure for those of us as believers to compromise on every level. When does it get to the point that we say enough? So we're going to be talking about some, some young men this morning, and many of you... Once I call the names, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are probably already there. But these men, they were, they were young men, and, they're, and they're the nation, they were children of Israel, and their nation had been conquered. And they were part of the group that was taken to Babylon, and they were there in the Babylonian kingdom and, and during that time. And, and so, but God was with them. How many know that even in difficult circumstances, God can be with his people? And Daniel and these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were kind of pulled out. And the king said, you know what? These guys, these guys are, 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 there's something about them. And so the king brought them in and wanted to use them, wanted to make them a part of his administration because there were some giftings and some things that obviously happened. And so, but at every turn, you know, even when they brought the king's food before them, and it went against what they were supposed to eat. You know, I don't know who else compromised, but these guys said, uh-uh, well, no, that goes against what... And so they drew a line. But then time went by. You know, captivity probably wasn't really so bad for them. They're like, hey, the king gave us some pretty good jobs here. This is all right. Yeah, I'm sure they still long to be home. I'm sure they still long for those things. But like, you know what? If we're going to be captives, this isn't a bad way to be captives. Then the king decided, you know what, I'm going to, the king was so determined he was going to have unity, but not just unity. I know that unity and conformity are two different things. He was like, we're going to have complete conformity in my kingdom. I'm going to erect an image. And in Daniel chapter 3, verse 4 through 6 we hear that the king sends out a herald to make a statement to everyone in the nation. Then the herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery, 
in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now, if you spent any time in Sunday school as a kid, you know this story and you know this story well. But put yourself in that position. How would you respond? How would you respond in that moment? You, 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 yes, you were captive, and you were in a foreign land, and you were in this place, and there was all this pressure. And, and you know, God had somehow blessed you where, where you had this position, where you had some, some privileges and some things that were available, and the pressure was on to conform. And then the king comes along, and he makes this statement, and the pressure is ramped up, and your faith is really under fire because he says, this is what is expected of every person in this kingdom, and if you don't conform... There's a fiery furnace in your future. The pressure was on. You know, how would you respond? I don't know about you. I've asked myself several times lately with many of the things that are going on in this world, Lord, if it comes down to it, I'd say this, if I'm staring down a barrel of a gun, would I have enough faith? Would I have enough faith? To say, Lord, I'm going to hold my ground. Peter thought he had enough faith at one point. Remember, he said, Lord, Jesus, if that happens to you, I will go to my death defending you. But when the pressure was on, his faith wasn't quite strong enough. And later on, he made up for it. But I've asked myself several times that if it came down to it, And the truth is, none of us know the answer to that. But my prayer has been, Lord, if it comes down to that point, if something happens and we get there, I pray that I have enough faith. But whatever that gap is, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Help, the, help your Holy Spirit to give me the gift of faith that I can arise in that moment and do what I need to do. I pray it never happens. Oh, we know things in this world are eventually going to get bad. We know that we're headed there. And, if, and never in my life have it seemed to me like we're in such a, a fast-forward mode to that. So I don't know. But all I know this is the Lord that I serve. I know at some point the trumpet's going to sound and we're going to get called out of here. And then the wrath is going to really get bad. But how bad does it get before we go? Will there be a point that we have to stand up with our faith under fire? Because we do. We live in a culture of compromise. Your faith, my faith, guess what? It does not fit in. True faith stands out. Bowing down to this statue, was, this was way beyond some kind of pledge of allegiance to a nation. The king and and his officials left no loopholes here to work through. There was no step around. There was no work around. There was no loopholes. It was simply, music plays, you drop, failure to do so, fiery furnace. The end. The king was determined to have not just unity, but complete conformity. And so there they were. It was that or else. Then the moment came. How many know it would be one thing to be told, this is coming, this is coming, prepare yourself, and you're thinking, okay, what do we do here? How do we respond? Do we, do we, do we kneel? Do we stand? What, what do we do? And, and, you know, it's one thing when you know that day is coming, but it's something else when that moment arrives. Verse 7, so at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, and the lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image with King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. The pressure was now on. The gathering was called. 
Everybody was there. The music starts playing. And the decision had to be made. Do we bow or do we stand? There's no hiding. When everybody else falls face down, it's going to be pretty obvious who's not. And there they were. In that moment, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all had all sorts of compromises at their disposal. I mean, it would have been easy for them to find something to say, you know, to to find a compromise, find a way to, to soothe their conscience a little bit, but still go along with the crowd. I, you know, Shadrach could have said, you know, guys, you know, our na- we were captured from our nation, and we were brought here, and we've been given a pretty sweet gig, and, and, and we're, we were in a position we can kind of look out for some of our people a little bit. So maybe we ought to just go along with this this one time so we continue to be there and make a difference for our people. Would that be so bad? Or maybe Meshach followed up with like, you know, when in Babylon, do as the Babylonians do. After all, we're trying to be relevant to our culture. Or maybe Abednego says, look, how about this, guys? We'll bow down. And right in that moment, but instead of worshiping the idol, We'll, we'll be worshiping God in our hearts. We'll just happen to be doing it right at the right time that the trumpet sounds. But you can imagine, how many know that we can all make excuses? We can all reason things away. We can all come up with, with nice-sounding compromises that soothes our heart. But here's the problem with compromise. You do it once, it's easier to do it the next time and the next time. But see, they knew that God's word on this matter was clear. There was no wiggle room. Exodus 24 through 6, this, for these guys, this had been drilled in their hearts from the time they were young men. It says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness or of anything that is in heaven above or is that in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. See, they knew in their heart they had no wiggle room. You know, this one of the things that is crystal clear to me in that scripture is the idea that God says, my people bow to no one but me. And we can try to reason. Society can try to move the boundaries all they want. But here's the truth. This is his creation and his rules. So how does that apply to us today? Today, secular idols are being created everywhere we look. The pressure is being applied for God's people to bow to culture, you know, even in matters where God's word clearly says the opposite. We're told, why are you holding on to that archaic book? Well, it's because, yes, it's old, because it was written by the Ancient of Days. It was written by the Alpha and the Omega. It was written by the beginning and the end. And just because you think things shift, his word does not shift. It is the standard. You know, we we look at, we can look at other things. We can make our own excuses. Well, you know what? This one isn't really that big of a deal. 
But you know what? Once we compromise in one area, the next time it's a little easier and a little easier. But where do you draw the line? When do you reach the point where you say, you know what? I can't compromise anymore. But soon it can become a way of lifestyle. And we say, well, what's the point? We might as well continue going down it. Scripture is clear. You know, and what do we hear? Whenever the boundary wants to be moved, what are we told? It's like, oh, you know, because we say, oh, we can't start down this road because we're headed here. and This is absolutely a disaster. And they say, oh, no, no, we will never take it that far. But they get one pass. Next thing you know, they're looking for the next step. The next thing you know, you're there at the boundary, and they're saying, oh, well, we're this far. We might as well. And we see it again and again and again in things throughout our culture. And the pressure is on more and more for the church to bow to these things. And for us as the believers to say, well, society seems to think it's okay. So how many times have we been told those things? At what point do we say, my faith will not allow me to take a knee on this one? My knee won't bow in this case. So what do you need? How, how do we do that when we're reached to that point and we're brought to that place where we have to make that decision, we have to make that stand? Guess what we need? We need fireproof faith. I don't know what else to call the level of faith that these guys had, but fireproof faith. You've heard of the saying, fight fire with fire. In this case, they fought fire with faith. Now, you can imagine... When the moment came, the music sounds and, and, and all this happens and everybody else hits the ground and these guys are standing there. You think you might have noticed? Oh, it was noticed all right. Next thing they knew, they had a one-on-one meeting with the king. Now, we'll give the king this. At least he didn't just... Do away with them on hearsay. He gave them a shot to kind of defend themselves or whatever. And and he was furious with rage, but he wouldn't condemn alone on hearsay. And so he brings them in and he talks to them and he says, you know, because after all, they boldly defied a direct order and they were supposed to be some of his people. So here they are standing there looking at the king and there was no place to run. There was no place to hide. This time they wasn't some they weren't some distant part of the crowd. This time they were face to face, one on one, so to speak, and the king reminds them. Here's the standard that's expected. We're gonna try this one more time. You guys take a knee, and I'll be good. Well, can you imagine? It was one thing to do it as a distance to the crowd. It was one thing to have enough guts and enough faith to stand there in that moment. But now you're looking directly at the king, and the king is telling you, he's saying, if you don't cave this time, last chance, last warning, the furnace will be your next stop. And then he says a statement that, wow, and what God is able to save you from my hand in this. The pressure was on. I know it's one thing to say, yeah, they should have stood. But when you're standing there and they're talking about the fire and you know what fire looks like and you've seen the ovens that they're talking about putting you in. Was their faith fireproof? How would you feel in that moment? What if we get to the place where all of a sudden there's so much pressure on what we believe? that there will become serious legal consequences if we don't cave. At what point do we say, I won't bow. I can't take a knee on this one. I have to stand. 
Will you stand or will you cave? Was their faith fireproof? I love their response. This is one of my favorite passages in all the scripture. Verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no answer to you in this matter, or no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the cause, if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. Because he had said, Is there a God that what God can do that? Our God. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Whew, that's some faith. I mean, to look him face to face in the eye and say, we have no need to answer you in this matter. And you say, what God can? Our God can. But even if he doesn't, I still won't bow. Wow, what faith. I mean, think of it. In a world, in a society that was demanding compromise, their true holiness was their wholeness of faith, and that faith stood strong in that moment, and their faith was fireproof, and they stood there with defiance, and guess what? We know that the next stop was going to be the furnace. And the king got so angry, he said, Okay, guys, next stop is the furnace. Um, There's no saving you now. This is done. And he commanded them, as we know, to heat the ovens, the furnaces, seven times hotter than the normal. Fireproof faith. Fireproof faith is a faith that is unshakable and a full belief in God's power. You know, it's one thing for us to believe in his omnipotence. It's another thing for us to believe he will move on our behalf. To be able to literally say, he can save us. I believe he will save us. You know what? And I realize what the king was saying when he was saying, hey, there is what God be able to save you. He was like, okay, we're following the laws of physics here. The laws of physics says you get put into a burning, hot, fiery furnace that's hot enough to melt steel. You're not going to survive. But the great thing about our God and the thing that they knew is he wrote the laws of physics and he can rewrite them at any moment. He can suspend them. He can put them aside and say, you know what, in this case, it's not going to matter. Think about it. How many times in Scripture have we seen where people that faith stood up to the test when their faith was under fire and God showed up and just did the miraculous that suspended everything, all the natural laws of everything were set aside. It's like, you know, I will change my laws if I have to to save my people that stand in faith. Oh, we're talking about things like parting of the Red Sea, shutting the mouths of hungry lions, even providing food and the dew in the morning in the wilderness, he can do what he needs to do to provide for his people. And he does. But even if he doesn't, Because he has the power to choose. Yes, sometimes people do have to give their lives for the cause of Christ. But my Bible tells me there's a special reward for that too. See, fireproof faith is submissive to God's will despite what happens. And that's what I love about their statement. They were saying, he is capable, we believe he will, but even if he doesn't. Kind of reminds me of what Job said. Though he slay me, 
yet I will still trust him. See, they didn't regard death of the flames as being failure of their faith. But kneeling would have been a failure to their faith. So I was working on that. I saw this story, was reminded of this. You know, we all know that the 2005 the hurricane that hit Katrina and so much was destroyed and everything. There was a, a church. The church was just completely destroyed. And, and the pastor's name was Michael Mill. And, and uh, on the first service following that, I mean, they didn't even have a building to go to. And so a church of 3,000 had about 300 people for their first meeting. They tried to pull people back together. And so it kind of reminded me a little bit of COVID right now, you know, not that you know, we're just kind of in that place that, you know, you, I mean, no church I talked to is doing what they were doing before. It's just where we're at. But he made this statement. Talking to his congregation that literally was one-tenth the size of normal. He said, people, we used to sing, Jesus is all I need. Well, now he's all we got. <laughs> So will your faith be found fireproof if it reaches the point that he really is all you've got? Or are we fair weather fans? As long as it's good. I'm always amazed every year, whichever team is doing the very best in the NFL, they all of a sudden have all these fans. Everybody likes to be on the side that looks like it's going to win. Me, I've had the same team that I follow every year from the time I was a little kid, and they're really stinking right now. (laughs) But that doesn't change my allegiance. In the same way, what if he really is all we've got? That's enough. That's more than enough. It's more than enough. But here's the good news this morning. My last point. God vindicates faithfulness. Or you might say Jesus in the midst of the fire. Boy, for these guys, he might have been all that they had, but that was enough. Can you imagine? Nebuchadnezzar's threat was real, and he orders the furnace heated up, and they did. I mean, they, I can just imagine what it must have been like. Just, I bet everything was just gro- glowing bright orange and red, and that thing was, was, I mean, it was the point of a meltdown. Archaeology tells us that in the Babylonian times, they had these huge furnaces that had this long, almost like train tunnel entrance that they would use them, they would use them as a kiln for their bricks. Because where they were at, they didn't have access to the most stones, so they would fire these bricks, these giant bricks, to build many of their buildings, and they would do that. And, of course, there was the iron works and the bronze work and all that stuff that they needed to melt all that down. And so we're talking literally these, these furnaces that were so large that people could walk into. And they were vented just right. Well, there was just the right airflow with these columns. That, and, the, and you can imagine if you've ever seen, you know, kind of like when we went over to Ed Benton's for some of you guys and he fired up his pizza oven and he got it going and, and he got that airflow just right. And I mean, it was glowing hot in there. You'd throw that pizza up in there in a matter of like a minute and a half, you're pulling it back out and it's even as burned on the edges. I mean, it was hot. So you can imagine this 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 fiery furnace, this oven, so to speak, that was heated so hot. It was one thing maybe even to stand your ground in front of the king, but when these big, strong guards have you, and they're dragging you towards that furnace, and every step you take, you're feeling the heat. 
The moment had arrived. This furnace was just blazing. It was time to face the fire. Rich Mullins famously said this. He says, you meet the Lord in the furnace a long time before you meet him in the sky. So can you imagine? There they are. Being pressed in, taken. The moment has come. And they're walking. I mean, they're bound. They're being strong-armed. There is no getting away now. There's no turning back. They've crossed the line. It is time to pay the price. And how many know, anybody ever burn your finger? So we're talking all over the body for a little bit before you're gone. Well, this is, this is not going to be good. And Scripture tells us that the fire was so hot, that the furnace was so hot, that even the men that ushered them along the way and threw them in died at the entrance of tossing them in just because of the, the level of the heat. Don't you know that they thought, oh, this is going to hurt a little bit. At least it won't last long. And they're shoved in. Verse 24 and 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astounded. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and they said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking around in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I mean, can you imagine? Shoved in. All of a sudden you realize, dude, this doesn't hurt. Hey, look, my ropes are gone. Hey, my clothes are still here. (laughs) And all of a sudden you look around and you realize that your buddies are okay too. And you realize that Jesus is there with you. And all of a sudden, what was supposed to be this horrible thing turns into a celebration. Ooh. I can only imagine. It's like, I can just see something. I knew it. I knew he would come through. They're like, we can stay here all day, guys. I wonder if we can get somebody to bring us some warm towels. Kick back and enjoy this for a while. Hang out with Jesus. What a celebration that must have been in their spirit. I mean, can you imagine? Talk about the vindication of your faith right there in that moment. You made the stand. You stood strong. You said, you know what? These knees won't bow. What I love about their faith was, even if they had died, even if their next view had been heaven, I had this thought, wouldn't it be great though to say, you know what, I may have died in this and they're seeing God in his glory. Wouldn't that be a proud moment to say, you know what, this may have killed me, but these knees did not bend. (laughs) What's fun is suddenly it dawns on the king. There is a God that can deliver them. So he beckons them out because nobody's going to come get them. (laughs) But what about us? What about us when the pressure's on? How many know that if we're honest, we're tempted to cave sometimes with much less pressure than this? I don't want to stand out especially for you guys that are still in school. And it is so hard. It is so hard because there's pressure at every turn to conform. And the same thing and much more in our society today. We're called bigots. We're called everything else just because we, you know, 
this name and that name. We're called the alphabet, you name it. I didn't know there were so many terms that could describe how bad we apparently are. Because there are lines we draw. Doesn't mean we don't love people. Doesn't mean we don't want the best for everybody. You know, I don't hate anybody. I want to see everybody come to know Jesus. I want everyone to have the faith that we have. And if somebody's on the outside, doesn't mean we can't be friends. Doesn't mean, but you know what? There are lines. Don't tell me to tell you that you are good and right with the Heavenly Father if there's a line you're crossing on a regular basis that He says is across the line. Because I love you, if you ask me, I'm going to tell you, I love you. But what kind of friend would I be if I didn't show you the dangerous ground you're walking in? Doesn't mean you browbeat somebody. But when they ask, when the door's open, don't walk away. See, in such times of our faith is being under fire, God's people can fight fire with fire, and God has a way of backing them up. And I love the results. Verse 27 through 39. It'd be horrible if I just left you without the rest of the story, right? And the satraps, the administrators, the governors, and the kings and counselors gathered together, and they saw these men whose bodies the fire on whose bodies the fire had no power. I love that. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made as ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Three men standing their ground when their faith was under fire shifted the attitude of a whole nation. We're in a time where we're under pressure to cave, to compromise, to accept things that Scripture clearly says is wrong. And the pressure is on. You know what? I, I, I could see. How many know that this seems so far-fetched that we would ever be there? But more and more, I'm starting to see the, the rumblings and the mutterings and the things that are going around us. And I'm like, you know what? It's not such a far stretch for all of a sudden somebody to come along and say, if your church says this, so where are we going to stand? As people, we better begin to make up our minds. Because who knows what stand may be the stand that shifts the tide. And even if he doesn't rescue us in those moments, I don't want to be appearing before my Lord saying, Lord, I'm sorry I caved during that moment. I will be able to say, Lord, I may not have done the best, but when it came down to it, these knees did not bend. What that looks like, I don't know. I don't know what's coming around the corner. I just know as believers, we better be making up our minds and our hearts. We better be standing the ground when we need to stand the ground. You know what? What happens? What happens? How fireproof is your faith 
strong enough to meet the challenge that our world has around us? You know, what if, what about if you're facing a personal tragedy? What about if you're to the point where all of a sudden you're going to be criticized by that group that you really want to fit into? What if it evolves, devolves to the point of personal threats? What if maybe even you're following some example and you see that, that spiritual leader bow and take a knee when you know that they shouldn't? Is that going to destroy your faith or are you going to keep pressing on? What if all of a sudden there's a loss of health and then they say, because you know what? Scripture tells of us today, and I'm just being plainly honest here. I don't know at what point it's going to happen. I, don't, I think the rapture will happen before this, but you know what? My faith doesn't... If, I have my beliefs, I have my timeline, but even if my timeline that I believe Scripture declares is a little off, it's still not going to shake my faith because I know that this is the truth. But Scripture talks about a day and a time where there will have to be complete conformity of taking a mark and getting into a financial system or you won't be able to buy, sell, trade, or do anything. What if? They come along and say, you have to denounce this part of your faith or you're cut off from society. It's happened before. It's a country called Germany. Did that to a whole group of people. It's scary to think of. But I felt like I had to bring this message this morning because we better be making up our minds. Where does our allegiance lie? What if persecution really does come? No matter what, we can't forget our purpose. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Here's our purpose. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And lo, here's the best part. Here's the promise. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That same God that was with them in the midst of that fiery furnace is still with us and he promises he will be with us to the end of the age. And so we don't have to worry about that. Oh, we may have to face some flame or fire of some kind. Jesus didn't promise deliverance in every case, but he did promise to be there. And if our faith is strong, We win in the end. We are on the winning side. The only way we can help turn this nation, I believe, is staring into the fire and declaring these knees won't bow. I don't want the pressure. I don't want to be brought to that point. I'm hoping we're not. I'm hoping before we get there that we're going about our business one day and everything's going hunky-dory for all of us and we hear a little doo-doo-doo-doo and we're out of here and they can have the mess. But even if it doesn't, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Fill my faith to the point that I can boldly declare these knees still won't bow. How many of you are with me? I want us to do something. I I want us to pray for something. I know we all face that, but I, I just I feel for the pressure that this next generation is under the pressure to conform. Can we pray for them? Father, Lord, I just pray for these 
young people, Lord, and those even watching online. Lord, we, we live in a time where I know that there is pressure to conform. There is a standard. There is a direction. This nation is being pushed. It's being crammed down our throat in every commercial. It's being crammed down our throat in every TV show, every movie, social media, everywhere we look, Lord. There's this pressure to conform and to give in and just to believe and just to, to fit in and belong. But, Lord, I pray that your hand would be with them. Give them the faith. Give them the strength. Give them the desire to hold on and understand that this is the truth and this is what's right. And Lord, help them to understand that being right doesn't mean that you're the majority. Many times that means you are the minority, but sometimes we just have to stand our ground. We have to hold on and we have to know that you do not leave or forsake your children, that you walk with us during those difficult times. And when we hold our ground, that you will vindicate our faith. You will go before us. You will give us strength. And Lord, I pray for everyone here, every one of us, that we would stand strong, that we would, that, that when those times come, that our needs would be, our knees would be locked and they'd be strong and we wouldn't cave, we wouldn't fail, we wouldn't kneel, we wouldn't bow, we wouldn't give in. And Lord, that we would hold the faith, Lord, to the end. And that when it's all said and done, that every one of us will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let us be a light. Let us be a different. Lord, begin to pour out your spirit. Lord, I thank you that, oh, how that over the last few weeks, Lord, we have felt your presence and the services so strongly. It's been so rich. Even last Wednesday night when we did, Lord, our worship night, your presence was here in power. And Lord, we praise you for that. But Lord, I pray that you bring more people in the fold. Lord, there are people that are hurting. There are people that, Lord, they're scared right now and they feel lost and they feel the pressure and they don't know where to turn. Thank God that the things that we see with our eyes doesn't matter as much as as following through with your faith and walking with you and trusting you and that you would lead us and you will guide us and you will care for your children. Lord, you have a history of doing that all throughout scripture. You care for your own. So Lord, I pray if there's anybody in the sound of my voice, Lord, that that doesn't know you, that they would surrender their hearts and their lives to you, that tugging they feel in that spirit, they would understand that it is the wooing of the Holy Spirit, and Lord, they would completely open their hearts to you. Lord, be with us. Let us be strong, and Lord, let us not bend a knee, Lord, no matter how strong the pressure gets. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Thank you for being here today.